Welcome to the Secret Lives of Chiropractors, where we get personal with chiropractic leaders, mentors, and influential chiropractors. And when I say personal, I mean really, really personal. So personal that the things that they will open up in here about, they haven't shared anywhere else. Today, I have queen of chiropractic, Lona Cook, who is doing some incredible things inside of chiropractic and for chiropractic. I won't give it away too much. You're going to have to listen all the way to the end to hear about this project, but she is bringing chiropractic to the public school systems. I mean, how cool is that? And this is huge for all of us chiropractors and for our entire profession. She also shared today about her struggles with her mom who dealt with mental and physical health and how chiropractic or chiropractic principles and her conviction in it kept her sane in this process. One of the things that she said she learned was, um, as her mom was passing in this process, was that this was not her fight, that she could no longer be a caretaker for her mom. And I think this is one of the biggest thinking errors that we make as chiropractors in general when it comes down to our patients and our practice, because we think that we are caretakers of the world and our practice members and our community. And in this process, we end up sacrificing a lot, oftentimes our health or our freedom in the name of give, love, and serve. And the person that we forget to give, love, and serve is happens to be ourselves a lot of the times. Now, this may be unpopular opinion, but I know that it's real because I talk to a lot of chiropractors and um, the deal is that we need to detach more and more from the outcome that we want from our patients. Complete surrender. And that is the difference between a healer and a caretaker. I actually break this down in Elevate Club, um, which is the process of detaching from the end result, focusing on the present moment, being in the flow when it comes down to your patient process and your patient journey seeing your people, your patients, your practice members at the frequency of already healed. And then of course, surrendering. Wow. This will not only quantum leap your practice, but it just gives you so much personal freedom, so much more mental space. And if this is important to you, then check out Elevate Club, which is www.elevate.me. And that's spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. And as always, enjoy this episode with Lona and be sure to subscribe, share, like, and all of those things. All right. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Secret Lives of Chiropractors. And today I am super excited to get to know Dr. Lona Cook. You've been on my radar forever, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Uh, Lona is, she's spoken and attended hundreds of events in the past decade with some of the biggest thought leaders in holistic health and well being. We've been on the stage together too, a couple of times. Um, she's been intimately involved uh, with uh, opening, owning, operating three brick and mortar chiropractic practices successfully and continue to thrive in operation, which is no small task. 
um, created and facilitated and continues to do so deep dive masterminds, retreats, grow personally and professionally. And she's got some exciting stuff in that regards coming up. She has written and co-authored over five books um, and other resources for the chiropractic profession, past president of Chiropractic Society of Wisconsin, and almost 10 years involved in assisting this amazing association. She is just all around rock star and I stalk her on Instagram. She's an incredible mom and somebody I look up to. So I'm super excited to get to know you today, Lona. Thank you so much for giving me your time. Oh, thanks, Nona. I feel like we have to know each other. We have almost the similar name. So (laughs) yeah, totally. So um, tell me this, Lona, I love to start this uh, podcast with getting to know who you were as a child. Like, what was your childhood like? I mean, you've done, you're not only an entrepreneur in the chiropractic space, you're not only the leader in, um, I know with a lot of the things that you do within the um, pediatric community, um, you've had multiple businesses, multiple chiropractic offices, I mean, and like being a mom and all the different things that you do. Were there things that showed up in your childhood, whether it was struggles, whether it was like, you know, uh, how you grew up that kind of guided you into who you are today or shaped your yeah. who you are today. I love that question, especially because I feel like I'm in this space where I'm like, a lot of my life has transformed this year because my mom passed. And so it's really opened up a lot of things, you know, from childhood to like, kind of go back through. So, um, Yeah, I think, you know, we all put our parents on pedestals for the most part when we're kids and we have no idea whether they're actually like good pedestals or not. so one of the good things that came from my childhood is my, my dad is definitely a, a like a workhorse. And so, um, you know, as you're an adult, you can see how that's not always a good thing when you're always the person that needs to be working. But I definitely learned at a young age that like, if you put effort in, that's one way to get noticed. And, um, and that was one way to get, um, I guess, like, probably celebrated from my dad was like putting hard work in. And so, you know, I mentioned and love was associated with hard work. Yeah, definitely. Or like your value is your work. Um, and so, you know, he still is like that and he is an entrepreneur and his dad also. And so there was like a line of that kind of train of thought. And so one of the family businesses is a Christmas tree farm. And so I think I was seven years old when I started like fertilizing Christmas trees for $2 an hour and planting trees and shearing trees. And so, yeah, we did that. I also was a pitcher and that's a very like, it's a team sport, but it's a like individual thing too, because you're on the mound with the batter. And I think that really grew my confidence um, of like, from a leadership perspective, you're always the one telling your team, like which, you know, base the batters on and what, you know, is probably going to happen next. And so I, I really grew into my voice, I think through um, being quite a, a good athlete. How old were you then? Um, when I started pitching, I was like 11 and we won state when I was 12. And I think that's when it like became almost like an obsession then of like getting better practicing. And so I would, you know, go out and work hard with my dad at pitching. Um, so I definitely was kind of a, a daddy's girl in that regard where it was like, that was another thing that I got celebrated for. So 
Yeah. And what about, what about with your mom? Yeah. So this is part of the like kind of interesting things that I've navigated through is I really didn't have a strong connection to her, Mm -hmm. I, I would say. And, and I think that was something where now in my adult life, looking back and thinking about like that, yeah, why was that, you know? And I, I think she didn't have a strong voice and she didn't, um, she didn't, I guess I didn't identify her with strength. And so I think I kind of innately didn't move in that direction. Um, but she certainly was like supportive of me. It was just more behind the scenes. And I guess I didn't recognize it as a child in many ways because I didn't allow myself to kind of identify that way. Yeah. And are you, are you, do you have siblings? I have a younger brother. Yep. Younger brother. And um, what's the age difference? Three years. Yeah. It's interesting. And I don't know if you have this experience. I have a lot of friends, majority of my friends, they don't necessarily myself included, don't have like the greatest relationship with their moms. Mm -hmm. And if I look around, uh, the people that I've collected over the years, women that I've collected over the years around me, they are very strong females Mm -hmm. and, um, not to categorize, I'm not saying this is the case for everybody, but this is my personal experience. What I've noticed within my friends who are very strong, very entrepreneurial, very, you know, kind of like, um, they pave the way on their own. They don't necessarily have that strong, you know, intimate bond with their, with their moms. I don't know if you've experienced that or. Yeah. And it's something that I think my, my mom had had been sick for like six years, like really sick. And, um, and so it was almost like we grieved her before she actually passed and she passed on February 1st this year. Mm -hmm. And in, thinking back on things, you know, I guess one of the blessings that came from having to have compassion for this person that I think struggled so hard and, and thank God for chiropractic. Cause it allowed me the, the, I guess the wisdom and the philosophy to pull myself back and not be the little girl the entire time that this was ongoing. Um, and to see that, you know, I, I guess like part of where I look back and didn't identify even as a girl, really, like I always wanted to be a boy when I was a a little kid. Mm -hmm. And then I think in being like stepping into more of like my femininity, as I've gotten older, it was like, yeah, you know, we don't even think about our grandmas and moms a lot of times and like the past they walked and what culture was like at that time. And and like how hard or easy things may have been on them. We just sort of like have you know, we think they're supposed to be perfect and we think they are perfect for a while. And then we realize like they have their own wounds and they have things that we couldn't understand. And I think that's part of what I saw is that, you know, I don't know what she went through, but I also realized that like, you know, having a voice as a woman wasn't necessarily celebrated for many years at this point. Um, so I guess that's in my own healing of this, I've realized like, okay, I can't judge her. I don't know what path she walked. Um, and actually one of her best friends sent me a message or a handwritten note right before she died. And it was interesting because she said, she, she told me all the stuff about my mom. I had no idea about. I was going to ask you if you'd like kind of went digging to try to find out because Mm -hmm. I didn't, but it kind of came to me anyways. And so this, this note she sent me was just like, so healing for me to read this other person that my mom 
that I didn't know her as, but I also thought like, wow, that's interesting. I would never have thought that she was wild. I would never, you know, she was really, yeah. And so I was like, okay, that's interesting that, you know, we don't know so many personalities that our parents have sometimes when we, again, like maybe it would be healing for us to know that they have other sides. Um, So it's, and and it kind of makes sense. Like, don't you think as a mom too, I know you got a couple of boys, right? Yep. Yeah. So me too. I have two boys and definitely you put on your mom game, your mom face on for them, right? Like they're, you don't necessarily share especially obviously at this age, but I don't know what it's going to look like for me as an adult. I know with my relationship with my parents, I'm really close with my dad, like same sort of scenario. I'm not definitely not as close with my mom. And it's kind of a, it's kind of hard to like get to know her or deeply connect with her, uh, you know, at a level that's meaningful, but um, that's important. That's Mm -hmm. especially when you have adult in adult relationships with your children too. Yeah. yeah. And again, like I said, like chiropractic super helped my process, I think, in just recognizing like, you know, sometimes these things that were like, oh, it's all wrong, you know, and it's like, no, maybe, maybe my mom is actually my greatest teacher here. And I just didn't see it that way before, you I know. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm curious, do you have, are there any funny stories that your family tells about you? <laughs> um, gosh, probably. I feel like one of the things that or like, I was just with my dad and my brother last night and meeting my, my dad's new girlfriend, which is like a whole nother can of worms to open oh, up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Navigating that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't see myself as like bossy anymore. Like that's not really, but I, I, I am that to them. Right. And so like we get in these scenarios where my brother, who's like six foot four and, really successful in, in an entrepreneurial space in cryptocurrency and everything. And he, you know, it's like these things never die, right. Where it's just like, you, you have the competitions when you're, you're little. And so I don't know if I can think of one thing in particular, other than I, I think about what I'd always say about him is like, okay, he's like in la la land, like his brain works in this whole different way. And so I could have gone into his bedroom and if I picked up this pen, I'd have to sit it back perfectly. Right. Uh-huh. And, and then he'd come in his room and he'd be like, why'd you touch my pen? You know? And I'm like, how do you know that? Cause his brain was like photographic in everything. And then I, I would joke that like, he could have come into my room and taken half my room and I would have no idea. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, I, I love that. I love that you mentioned that about the dynamics of like the siblings or the families and how, even though we evolve as human beings, but like some of those pieces or how we connect to one another stays the same too. Yeah. Old habits die hard, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, totally. And so what, what do you think is like the biggest struggle that you've ever gone through in your entire life? Mm, I think, I mean, my mom's passing and witnessing what happened, I think is one of the biggest things. So I'll give you kind of the backstory here is so my mom had ovarian cancer in 2014. And the interesting part is it kind of feeds into like, you know, if everything's interconnected in our world, like I look, if you can take a bird's eye view, you're like, okay, how are these, all of these pieces connected in my, I had just gotten married like the year before, and we were definitely not having the best first year of marriage. And so we were like 
literally spending the holidays separate. And then it was shortly, like maybe two or three days after Christmas in 2014, I think 2013 or 2014 that my mom got the diagnosis of ovarian cancer. Okay. So I wanted to like whisk her away and take her to Mexico and let's do all the natural things. And, um, and she was kind of like dabbling in those ideas, but definitely not sure what she wanted to do. My mom's energy is much more slow moving than I had been. And so it just felt like nails on a chalkboard to me, like that she was dragging her feet to make these decisions. And one of my girlfriends and great mentor said to me, like, this isn't your fight. Like, this is your mom. You know, your mom has to make these decisions. And so it really caused me to pull back and just give her some space, which I'm so grateful for that advice now. Um, And so she went through chemotherapy, did really well. It's like, I actually, I think saw her in her healthiest that I'd had my whole life post-cancer, maybe a year or so after it. It was like, she was grateful to be alive. And like, I remember when I was pregnant with my son, Jack, we had a baby shower. And I thought it was like the first time I had seen my mom really happy to celebrate myself. It wasn't like stressful that we were going to have people coming over. I mean, I don't know if you grew up in a household like that, but like if we put on a party or had something, it was always like, kind of like ugh, nails on a chalkboard, getting ready and stress. And so it was just a marked difference, um, in how she was and how she seemed. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that was like amazing to see her like that for a while. And then some things happened between her and her mom, who was like end of life. Mm -hmm. And it was like the bottom fell out. So my mom stopped taking care of herself completely. Like it was almost like passive suicide. She wasn't eating. So to make a long story short, I, over the last six years, saw my mom go in and out of like mental health institutions, literally living in like what we'd call like a permanent psych ward with like wow. schizophrenics. And, wow. and, and it wasn't like everyone wanted to know like what was going on, what's the label. And you would call it severe depression, but it really was just, she lost a willingness to live. Mm-hmm. And in our culture, we don't really accept that. Right. And so because she had no pre-existing on any of this type of mental health arena, it's like you, you can't allow that. And yeah. so what was, I think, fascinating in this is, so we intervened, got, tried to get her help, which she didn't want. And um, I remember like, I won an entrepreneur of the year award. This would have been like in 2016 or 17. And my mom was in a mental institution, like an hour down the road. And so I'm sitting there in this like huge thing, getting this award, my dad's sitting next to me. And I think it was like this, um, Daryl Worley. He's like a country music singer. He was at the event. He sang this song. Like I miss my best friend, I think is what it's called. And my dad is sitting next to me as I'm getting this award, like crying. Right. And I'm like, what, what everyone doesn't know here is like, the thing I want is my mom to just take a shower so that she can like come home because they had said like, if you'll just take care of yourself, if you would just take a shower, you can go home. And you know, like, that's like how effed up it was, you know? Um, so I think that process of like, I have a one-year-old baby (laughs) and I'm taking him into a psych ward, like it just was such a radical contrast for me to go through. That's um, huge, yeah. Yeah, especially not having any context for it before. Is like, what is happening, right? Yeah, yeah. 
And so what would you, what would, yeah, what would you say is like the biggest thing that you learned from that? Cause I guarantee there was transformation in that process, right? Yeah, totally. I think I learned immense compassion for people. Um, and sometimes I think it's the hardest for us to have compassion for those in our families. Um, and so I had all these stories as I've sort of shared with you built up about who my mom was and her acceptance of me. And I always felt like I didn't measure up and, and really, I think what it opened up is I realized like, I don't think it was actually ever about me. I think she had her own stuff that I didn't even recognize, you know, so really compassion for her. And then also like just awareness of like, you you know, we say this in chiropractic and I think sometimes as practitioners, we don't get it. Like if someone is not, they're the only person that can heal themselves. Like there is no way you can do the heavy lifting for someone else. And to think we know what someone needs is like a very arrogant stance actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I, so- and I think that there's um there's a big difference that we don't recognize as chiropractors, healthcare professionals, the difference between being a healer versus being a caretaker. Mm-hmm. And so we end up, I mean, this is in your family, which is even harder to act as the healer, because the healer is not attached to the end result, right? Like just shows up and sees the person as healed and as they are and in that present moment. But the caretaker is like, oh no, I'm here to fix you and I'm here to, you know, heal you. But that's that's not what the healer does. The healer shows up, um, you know, and sees you exactly as you are and possibly sees you as healed, but that's pretty much it. Right. There's no attachment to, I'm going to take you to Mexico, like you said, which... I mean, trust me, if I had, and I've had those situations where not close family members, but uh, friends who like my best friend got diagnosed with cancer and all I wanted to do be like, shove all this information and, and all this knowledge and all this, like all the resources to go and heal this. But one, not my fight Two, I'm not a caretaker. I'm a healer. Right. Mm-hmm. And as a caretaker, you burn out mm-hmm. as totally. a healer you end up having, you know, you end up just showing up and actually giving, having the space for the person to actually heal. Right. Yes. And, and I think that was like the transformation that occurred is like the first few years I was literally like treading water, like Mm -hmm. trying to hold enough space for myself in the process of like, what the hell is happening? You know, dad would show up and need support. And it was like, Meanwhile, I'm nursing a baby and trying to keep practices going. It was just insane. Um, and then there, that was like where I had to just surrender to the fact that like, okay, what is here for me? You know, I am, she seems immovable on this. And so perhaps instead of looking at it, like this is all wrong, like maybe I'm supposed to really learn something that is like totally not what I think I want, but what I'm going to get, you know? And so trying to have, um, you know, as I said, compassion, but also like, how do you love someone and, and have like that unconditional love when they are so unlovable, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and that was something that, you know, is hard to do, especially when it's someone that you have all these expectations around. Yeah. Um, but she gave me a great gift in that and to see someone suffering so hard where they haven't showered in two weeks and they're just like, so physically unlovable. 
but then it's your mom, you know, and it's like, Oh, like you, I'm here because of you. Like, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. And, and so beautifully put in terms of all the things that you've gotten, all the gifts that this process has given you and your mom has given you now having, cause that's a big chunk of time. That's like six years. You said she, between like when she was sick and going to hospital and all the things between, between the diagnosis or initial diagnosis all the way to, um, to her passing. That's a good chunk of motherhood that's a good chunk of like entrepreneurship because I mean I practiced for 10 years imagine I can't imagine having six of those 10 years being you know being involved in something so heavy and still running successful practices and and mother so what what do you think was your secret is your secret sauce I know like discipline we talked about from being in in sports and being an athlete hard work right um, what are some other things that you would think are Lona Cook's um, secret sauces or, or <laughs> secret the ingredients of the secret sauce? I think a big part of this last six, seven years for me is, you know, this willingness, almost like a radical conviction to look for um, the like the learning in things. Um, yeah. And and so I think about like, you know, the, the major premise, like that there's like intelligence in everything. Um, and I, I think, thank God I had this conviction already coming into this, probably no, you know, no coincidence there, but it's like these things, whether we're talking about birthing at home and doing, you know, conviction around like what's possible for your body and like nursing and all of that. And, you know, that's something that we celebrate, but then, you know, we generally don't talk about like death and transition Mm -hmm. that way. Um, but I think by having that as like a super strong route for me, it allowed me to, to know that like, it's okay. And something here is going to, you know, be for me. Um, and then, you know, I certainly also learned who are my people. Like I I have a great team around me and some of the people like got off the train and some people got on the train and, and then also like some healers that I work with for myself, or it's like, they can hold space for me and I can be vulnerable here, but I'm not maybe able to be vulnerable over here. Um, so there's definitely some compartmentalizing that happened too, where it was like, you know, I, I recognize that what I'm learning with my mom is making me a better healer or a better space holder in the practice or for what people are walking through. And that still means I need to do the work to make sure I'm okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, um, if you were, I know nobody has any regrets. Everybody thinks that they would do the same things over again, you know, all the good things. However, if you look back to yourself as like a young chiropractor, or even like, as you were going through the stuff with your mom, is there something you would have done differently? And it could be in entrepreneurship, it could be in chiropractic or in what you went through with your mom. Mm -hmm. I think in general, so many things could feel so much easier if we could just loosen our judgment on things. Um, That's so good. Yeah. And I I mean, I'm still, this is like the medicine I need right now too. You know, like we all pass mostly so much judgment on ourselves, um, but certainly also like the situations we're in and like what we should do and what we shouldn't do and um, what's expectations of us. So I think 
you know, I probably could have given myself a lot more grace moving through some of this and still could, you know? Um, so I don't so know. Going back, yeah. you, going back, you would drop the judgment on yourself. You'd have more detachment to the, to the outcome, or you'd have more detachment from your mom's fight. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think about, you know, some of the things that I spent a lot of energy on, whether it was like, um, like employees we had that aren't with us anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. um, or it's like, gosh, you know, like we could just move through things easier without having so many like, uh, like, yeah, attachments to like, Oh, I thought it was going to be this way. And it showed up this Uh, way. And dropping the expectations of how things, how you want things to go through surrendering. Yes. Yes. We could speed that process up, which I have no idea how, because it just, like, it just keeps happening where it's like, oh, I thought I, you know, I learned how to surrender there. And oh, here's a new opportunity to learn how to surrender over here. Yeah. 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 I know. That's, that's been a big one for me to surrender also. It's, I mean, I haven't gone nearly gone through what you have gone through, but I think surrender is a big lesson. And I think you you become more fat. I don't know how old you are. I won't ask you that. But I'm, I just turned 40. And I feel like as I started to turn 40, I started to finally understand what surrender was. Because before I'd be like, oh, I'm surrendered, except I wanted exactly <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm 38. And I, I hear you. I was like, I would not go back to being younger because I'm so grateful for the like wisdom that comes with like the life experience. Um, but also, yeah, there's a heaviness to it as well that you have to like almost find the beauty in it. Otherwise it crushes you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Wow. So good. Um, Lona, I'm going to ask you some really like just quick one word, quick, quick answer, answered questions or whatever they're called. Um, they're just kind of fun. Did you have a childhood nickname? And if so, what was it? Yeah, I was Josie Wales, which is like an outlaw from like a Clint Eastwood movie or something. Who gave you that? My dad, because I was colicky when I was a baby before they took me to the chiropractor and I cried all the time. So, and my middle name is Joe. That's super cute. Well, um, Lona, where do you grocery shop for your kids and do you do it online or do you go to the grocery store? That was the best thing that COVID offered, like from a like helpful thing is I started just like using Instacart wherever. So, um, yeah, I usually will Instacart any amount of grocery, although we do have a short, like a, a quick grocery store by our house that we're in and out of quicks, but, um, like, and the only place I'm in a small community that had Instacart when we started was Aldi, which I learned to actually love it, even though I've never stepped foot in the store. So that's funny. Yeah. That's, that's been interesting. It's a, it's an interesting question to ask because everybody, I think a lot of people have moved in that direction. Some people absolutely hate shopping online, especially for food, but. No, I I love it, but I'm not someone that has to have like perfect apples, you know, like. I don't know if I, I kind of need to have perfect apples. (laughs) (laughs) So I haven't, I haven't, I actually haven't gone that route, but I am tempted. Yeah. Um, I think I know the answer to this one, but what kind of student were you in, in school? Were you like an A student or. I was. I was a A plus student in, in, yeah, zero, like kindergarten through 12th grade. And then I went to Madison and had my like wild phase and learned I was not the smartest person there. And then I was happily getting B's and, you know, 
BCs because they don't do negatives. Um, and then in chiropractic school, when I stopped partying so hard, I was back to being an A student again. <laughs> okay, cool. And you kind of already mentioned uh, if this was this your first job when you were uh, doing fertilizer for the Christmas trees, yeah. like the very first job. Yes. <laughs> At seven, it was my first job. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, what kind of car do you drive? A Volvo, a little X40 Volvo. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And who has been, if you were to name one person who's had the most amount of influence in your life, who would it be? I think Lisa Thielen is who comes to mind. So she's an energy worker that's in our area. We're very blessed with, and she's taught me more about chiropractic than most chiropractors because she's wow. like, definitely, um, from a more like metaphysical perspective, like what's happening when, you know, the, an adjustment takes place and also like understanding universal intelligence and innate and all that. So she's a huge advocate for chiropractic, but to understand more of the like energetics of what's happening in our world, she has been such a guru for me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's great. It's always nice to have those people in your corner too, especially during rough times. Oh yeah. She's, she, she's doulaed me through many of these things we talked about. So that's great. Um, so tell me what is new and exciting about your life right now? What projects are you working on? I know you've got retreat coming up. I know you, you do a ton of work and the pediatric work, if I'm not mistaken. So tell us about all of that and, uh, and then let people know where they can get in touch with you. Okay. So the, one of probably the coolest things we've got going on right now is we do chiropractic care in our public school. And, um, Dr. Amanda Haynes and I have been growing this project over the last six years or so. And Heidi Havoc joined us, um, a few years back in putting together the like case series of we're going in doing adjustments with mostly special ed, um, populations, but some kids that also have other challenges at school and seeing if, you know, what we see in our practice that chiropractic helps with so many things, like, can we really put this together in a way where other schools can duplicate it and bring chiropractors in to help kids? Um, and so we're at this point where the project is kind of being pushed into the next phase. Um, and so we're trying to raise $50,000 and we're about halfway there, um, to, help pay for the PhDs that are on the product project at this point, looking at the data we're collecting like HRV, that type of thing. Okay. So that's a pretty cool thing. Cause so is it a, is it a, um, is the project a nonprofit or is it research and grant or how's it set up? Yep. So, okay. So we have like a practice that literally just is not a brick and mortar. It operates in the school district. Okay. Um, And then we have a separate nonprofit for the research portion of it. So um, I'll send you the link where you can go if people want to donate towards it. We're looking where our goal was that we'd have 50 people donating $1,000 to make this project go to the next level. Um, And then in that process, we'll be able to put out our first paper, most likely on what we've done so far. And then... um, we do have a larger donor that wants to come in, but we'd need to go through the like direct channels of writing things out. Uh, um, and so that would open us up to then probably do like legit research, not just a case series. Um, so that would be pretty excited because there's not a lot in pediatric chiropractic research out there, especially vitalistic chiropractic. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. 
Um, I would love to support that in any way I can have another conversation around this, but that sounds really, really cool and such a needed area too. Yeah. We're pretty excited. It's one of those things that has felt like divinely guided, you know, it's like, why did the doors open when they opened and why have the right people been attracted in and like, just yeah. Crazy things that we could not have orchestrated if we were just using our educated mind on this. So um, so that's been cool. Um, and then, yeah, we have an event coming up this fall, um, and it's on the website I sent you. So that will be, um, here in like the Minneapolis area. Um, and we love doing masterminds and just getting together. And I think most of the learning for me has happened through experience, whether that's like attending a seminar and having an experience there that changed me or meeting new people that like led me down the rabbit hole to where I need to go. So we try and create, containers of spaces for that to keep happening for us and for the people that attend with us. So I love that. Yeah. I saw that you had, um, I don't know if you'd done one, but I saw pictures or videos of like, uh, other retreats and it looked so cool and yeah, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. So we'll put, we'll put all the links in here on how you can donate to this project and, um, and also her upcoming retreat that is coming up in the fall. And I highly encourage you guys to check it out. Um, donate if it, if it's calling you and also participate in her retreat. Um, very, very cool. And then is anything else that you didn't, any place you want people to connect with you and on social media? Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook and whatever, you know, through their website, we're happy to connect with any of our projects if you're interested in what we're doing. So. Awesome. So cool. Um, Lona, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving me your time. I know you're super busy with the boys. I feel like we just got barely to (laughs) touch on the surface of what you've had going on because I know there's so many other things that you have coming up. So we might be due for a part two uh, to this. Yeah, to this podcast or to this episode. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for watching and for listening to Secret Lives of Chiropractors. And um, we'll see you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some applicable nuggets to quantum leap your life and your practice. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and be the first to know when we release our next guest here on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nona Javid, D-J-A-V-I-D, to keep up with my not-so-secret life. And um, check out Elevate Club at www.elevate.me, and Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. We'll see you at the next episode.